Hi, this is Chad. Thank you for joining me on the journey to product mastery so that we can develop better products for our customers and those products that our customers will love. I am interviewing speakers at my favorite annual conference for product managers. That's the PDMA Inspire Innovation Conference. This discussion is with Matt Phillips, whose session is titled The Mindsets of Breakthrough Innovators. Matt shared that successful innovators and entrepreneurs think differently than other people. Further, the way that we think can be learned, which is also helpful for us as innovators. And he uses examples from Pixar, Google, Netflix, and even ultra marathoners so that we can learn the secrets of unlocking innovation as well. Matt's gonna help us figure this out together. He's the founder of Phillips & Co., a Chicago-based innovation strategy firm. This episode is sponsored by PDMA, the conference I am at. That's the Product Development and Management Association. PDMA is a global community of professional members whose skills, expertise, and experience power the most recognized and respected innovative companies in the world. PDMA is also the longest-running professional group for product managers, developers, and innovators, and leaders as well uh, over product projects. It started in 1976, and has contributed to the research and the knowledge of our discipline for product management and innovation for nearly 50 years now. And I've enjoyed being a member of PDMA for almost two decades. And I join it because there's great people to meet and wonderful resources available. If you want to look into it as well, check it out at pdma.org to see what's available. Matt, thank you for being with us. I do need to tell listeners also if they want to find the written details of everything that we're going to talk, including a one-page action guide to put into action some of the immediate takeaways Matt will be sharing. Those will be at productmasterynow.com slash 473. Okay, you're off the plane. You got to the conference. Yes. I'm excited to be getting some details about being a better innovator. Well, and, and by the way, thanks for having me back. So this yeah. is the second time on the podcast. That's and exciting. Usually after the first time, that's it. So this is a big day for me. So, someone from your company sent me a... No, no, no there, there was no buy-off here. <laughs> no, yeah, really July. the table. That's right. Yeah, right. No, you, you get involved with so many companies and helping them get better innovation. And really, maybe we'll talk more about how, how you get to that. But let's help the people listening a little bit about some specifics here. Mindsets of breakthrough innovators. Well, let's just, what's up off the top of your head? What are some mindsets that we should be having if we want to be in that category of breakthrough innovators? Yeah. So in the talk I'm doing here at PDMA, I'm going to go through five of them. We can jump through some of those okay. if you'd like. The, I think the overall context is because I've, in fact, this month, September, when we're recording this, I've now run my innovation consultancy for 20 years. And one of the main thing, one of the main takeaways I've had during that time is that we certainly spend time learning new methodologies of innovation or trying new techniques or what have you. We upskill ourselves all the time, mm -hmm. but we rarely stop to change the way we think. And what I've been taken with over the years when I've met incredible VPs of innovation or CEOs or entrepreneurs who've built huge organizations is that when you talk to them, you don't walk away saying, gosh, that four-step process, thats I've got to go copy that. Or if I install that Chrome uh, extension, that's going to change everything. Generally, I walk away thinking, gosh, they just think differently. Mm -hmm. When they walk down a grocery store aisle or talk to someone they just met, their way of seeing the world is different. Hmm. So that's what this talk and this kind of body of work is all about. Okay, that, that's good. It reminded me, the I went down this path of 
just learning about mindset, not for innovation, just how my mind limits myself by thinking at times mm -hmm. and can also be used to maybe expand my thinking at times, right? And went through some exercises, did, did some uh, coaching with people that help out with these areas over the last maybe, I don't know, five, 10 years. And just, you're right, we, we don't reflect a lot on what is our mind doing. I, I like tools, I like frameworks. So those mm -hmm. are easy things to think through. Simple things, like in my case, like how do I think about money? Uh, am I limiting myself in some way to think about money? Which for me is a very clear sense of time is money. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I should be paid for output and the other ways that one could think about these things and some other limiting factors that showed up. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, how, so taking how, time about yeah, this. How do you think about discomfort? How do you feel, feel about yeah, failure? Right. How do you think about uh, going into something you've never done before? Which yeah. sounds like innovation because <laughs> we're going into new things all the time. <laughs> we're doing something new. Okay, so there's five you're going to talk about. Let's see how many of these we get through. Uh, Sounds good. Pick, pick, pick one for us. So, so let's start with the first one uh, that I'll talk about at the conference, and that is be a gap spotter, gap being G-A-P. So many times when, when you talk to people who are perhaps struggling in innovation, they think about products, right? Here we are at the, the Product uh, Development Management Association. Uh, but I'm taking that many of the incredible entrepreneurs I've met and executives talk less about product than they talk more about gaps. They go through life spotting problems or things that are not connected yet. And many times that could turn into a product, it's a service, it's a brand, or it's nothing. But they're just incredibly good at spotting those things. So there, there's a great story about an entrepreneur based in Texas named uh, Chris Corner. And he started his first business at age eight, he has launched a good number of different businesses. Just to give you a sense of the way he thinks, uh, a friend of his had a grocery business and uh, Chris had already run like a third party logistics company. So he was very good at taking orders, fulfilling them, all the technology to do it. Yeah. So he was talking to this friend who had a bakery business and he said, do you sell online and all? And he said, no, I don't. So he said, well, tell you what, as an experiment, let me just put a QR code on all of your bread and see what happens. Well, it took off. So then he built an entire platform to sell the guy's bread. Once he built the platform for that, he saw the next gap was there's a lot of people who sell things and he turned into a larger platform and built a business off that. Yep. So the cooler story is this. So during the pandemic, Chris and his friends uh, or his family rather are at home and they want snacks from Bucky's. So Bucky's is a grocery store that's uh, primarily in Texas, They're, or a rather a convenience store. These massive convenience stores are sort of 50,000 square feet, and they're known for their snacks. It's a huge gas station because we just had our first experience. I've been wanting to go to a Bucky's for a long time. Yeah. I found it on YouTube, and I was fascinated because we do these road trips as a family. And we were, my son started college at, in Texas, and so we were through the Dallas area. We found two Bucky's. First time ever at Bucky's. It's yeah. amazing, right? It's nothing but gas pumps. And mm -hmm. then inside, huge, massive, all the thing, all the snack food, all the food, all the stuff one might want on a road trip. Totally. So they're known for nuts and popcorn, and they've got hats and t-shirts and all this stuff. The stores are immaculate. Mm -hmm. So he loved the store. He's at home during the pandemic. He wants it. So he goes on their website and there's nothing he can buy. They don't do e-commerce online. Interesting. So he is in the business of fulfilling things online. That's his magic sauce. So he calls the company and he says, hey, I will build a store for you. And, and it was crickets. So no one got back to him. So he decided I'm just going to do it myself. 
So he and his family drove to a Bucky's and spent $1,400 and bought one of everything, brought it home, photographed it, and built a website called something like Bucky'sStore.com, right? Mm -hmm. Well, immediately the lawyers call. He's taken their trademark. And interestingly, what the lawyers said was not cease and desist. They said, just change the name of your, your site. Don't use our trade name. But if you want to sell our things online, go for it. So since then, he's scaled this business. It's now called TexasSnacks.com, and they continue to buy things retail at full retail price from multiple Bucky's stores, and and sell them online. Right. So what I love about that is it's slightly insane to take your kids and go buy fourteen hundred dollars worth of snacks. I could see myself doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And but but I think the more the the bigger more interesting thing is just that he is a gap spotter. Right. He goes through life just seeing these problems. And instead of just saying, that's a bummer, he immediately says, that's an opportunity. Let's jump on it. Right. And, and that's true of people I've seen, both entrepreneurs and people in corporate America who are just repeat incredible innovators. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, with my university professor hat on teaching innovation management, one of the models I very much like is from uh, Innovators uh, Method from Jeff Dreyer and uh, Nathan Furr. And that first step is, what's that insight? What's that thing that you see and you go, huh, wh- wh- why is it like that, right? Why isn't there a simpler way? Why isn't someone addressing this, right? Like, why isn't Bucky selling online, right? Is just being aware of there's a problem here that no one's addressing mm-hmm. and it surprises you. And that's the that first itch that there might be some project here to start thinking about. Totally. So it's, it's totally. Really well, great academia be, uh, backs up everything we're talking about here. <laughs> Being a gap spotter. Okay, yeah. I like this. Cool. So number two, I call multiply your magic. So there's an entrepreneur I met during my MBA program at Kellogg and his story just has stuck with me all these years. His name is John Osher, and he also is a serial entrepreneur, has scaled amazing businesses. He was known for, he built a toy company, and then eventually he built a the, the first spinning lollipop. So this was, the, the gap here was small, which is you don't want to lick with your tongue too many times. So he invented a spinning lollipop. You push a button on the handle, it spins to the top, and you just put your tongue against it. Well, so this, Turned out to be a great invention. He sold that company off. And now he's sitting around and he spots another gap. And he decides to do what I call multiply your magic. So take the thing you're already good at and apply it to a new gap. So he's at the store one day and he realizes that Oral-B and other companies like that make electronic toothbrushes, but there's $70, $80. You have to plug them in, charge them, that sort of thing. And he realizes that if he just changes the head on a spinning lollipop, he can make a $5 motorized toothbrush. So that eventually becomes the Crest Spin Brush. And he sells that off for $200 plus million. So so the second uh, principle then is multiply your magic. And there's many cases with entrepreneurs and companies that we've seen where they don't do that. They, they see what looks to be a big financial opportunity, but they don't have any magic. They don't have any capabilities. Mm-hmm. And they'll run into it and fail and You've heard of big companies suddenly going into cologne and things when right. they, they used to make bicycles. So, so uh, again, what you've seen, you saw this in the first story with Chris, Chris Corner, is they tend to take that thing they're really good at and apply it to new areas. Good. I, I love that story. It, 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 I think of that kind of as repositioning, right? It's, hey, we have something that works. Who else might want this thing that works if we modify it a little bit, right? Just kind of redirect the thing that is working. And sometimes we don't stop and think about 
What is this thing that <clears throat> who else might find value in this? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, multiply your magic. Yeah. So the third is another entrepreneur I met, an entrepreneur named Justin Gold. 10 or 15 years ago, he was a very outdoorsy guy, tried a couple different jobs. He liked going hiking and what have you in Colorado. And he realized on his hikes, sometimes he would get hungry and he would bring nuts and whatever with him, but he started to make nut butter. So you take various kinds of nuts, blend them and turn them into a butter, and he would take it along with him. So sometimes he would go on a hike, he would come back, and he'd realize his roommate and his friends had eaten all the remaining nut butter. So he started to make more and more, and someone said, you should go take this to the farmer's market. So he did. So he went there, and it sold out. And then he would go back to his apartment, and all of his nut butter again is gone. So what he started to do was take, he made additional jars his friends could eat, but he would take one, and he would write Justin's on it. Well, today, if you go to Whole Foods and other stores, there's a brand called Justin's, right. and it came from the fact that he would write his name with a piece of tape and stick it on the side of the thing. So his friends still ate it, but at least they... Yeah, yeah well, it. now they have to pay for it because <laughs> it's at Whole Foods. So eventually, he built the company, and what's interesting is he never set out to build a big company. He just continued to take the next step, to continue to take action. So what I call this principle is innovate with action. Hmm. And I think it's interesting, especially for corporate America, because a lot of corporate America, and I've had the good fortune to see inside of hundreds of companies, and many times we sign the NDA, we go in and we get to see their product pipeline, and it, it's pretty thin, right? Hmm. So that's why they've hired an innovation strategy firm. But many big companies will innovate with thinking, right? They continue to go back to the conference room. If we think more about it or if we read and make more PowerPoints or build a better analytical model, we'll get there. What I love about Justin's story is he innovated with, with action. There was no business plan. There was no academic model. He just started doing things when they worked. He continued and doubled down on it and continued to grow. So Things worked out for Justin. He ended up selling his company called Justin's Nut Butters for $286 million to Hormel, and it uh, ended pretty well. So, so innovate with action. This all in nuts. It's crazy. It's nuts. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, t taking action ma makes a big difference, right? As has been said, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's those that can f figure out what's working and keep doing that. And it sounds like he just followed a path like, this is working, let's try more of that. Yeah, and, and I think one of the underlying principles of that or one of the ahas that has hit me over the years is that many times when companies are doing that analysis, they're trying to they're trying to buy one more research report or do one more focus group or whatever it is, or just continue to have weekly meetings on a potential initiative, what they're trying to do is build confidence. Right? They're trying to get to the point where they say, okay, now we can invest $1,000 or $10 million into this. And I think ironically, what in just in many cases is confidence comes from action. So if you take the action, mm -hmm. you take the nut butter to the farmer's market, metaphorically, it, you suddenly get the confidence that you would have, that you were seeking by just continuing to meet. Right. It's the power of doing the experiment, getting some data, figuring out if our assumption was right or not, right? Mo moving forward, yeah. kind of an experimentation mentality. Exactly. Okay. Yep. So we got be a gap spotter, multiply the magic, Innovate with action. Indeed. So the fourth is go get a guru. So over the years, I've, I've had an opportunity to advise entrepreneurs at times, 
And in fact, I just had a, a case of this at dinner a few days ago where it's a small company. They're trying to get a packaged food product into stores and just over dinner casually, not a consulting gig, just mm-hmm. a, a kind of a friend. They said, we've tried uh, to sell online and through Instagram. It's just really tough. And so I said, well, for this to scale, probably eventually you need to get into Trader Joe's or Target or somewhere like that. Uh, it sounds like you have a great product, but online hasn't worked out well. Have you called Trader Joe's or, or Target? And he said, we've thought about that, but we just don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I told him was, go get a guru. There's people out there who do this all day long. And uh, I'll tell you, just as a consulting firm, one of our secrets is when we're stumped, this is what we do. So last week we did five expert interviews where we uh, sourced people, found them. They are some of the best thinkers in, in America on this new category we're exploring for a client. And usually for a modest amount of money, you can hop on the phone for two or three hours and totally unpack an industry. So. Instead of thinking, gosh, we have to go to a headhunter and hire a VP of whatever to understand this, what if you go to LinkedIn? What if you go to Google and just say, hey, for a bunch of free product or a couple hundred or a thousand dollars, could you just come in and explain this to us? So one of my favorite examples of this, any good innovation talk should talk about Apple once, So, (laughs) is Apple is the, the last place you would think they would have to go find a guru, right? They are... Given depending on the week, the most one of the most valuable companies in the world because they're great at innovating internally. Maybe well, it, also great at finding gurus. There, there might be a backstory here. Well, indeed. So when it came time to de- de- design their next kind of breakaway product, one that I'm wearing, the Apple Watch, mm-hmm. in, instead of continuing to use our own design team, they found a guru, and that was Mark Newson. So Mark Newson is an Australian interior designer. He's done cars and furniture. He's done these beautiful kind of curvilinear sculptural chairs that have then gone on to sell at auction for three to four million dollars. And he happened to be a good friend of a uh, friend of Johnny Ive. So if you were to look at Mark Newson's portfolio and then look at the Apple Watch, you can absolutely see who was a primary designer on it. So I think what's humbling about that is even one of the companies that everyone says is one of the best innovators in the world went out and found a new guru, right? They, there was Maybe there was a moment where they were overwhelmed, uh, they were stuck, and they said, we're going to go find someone who can help us think anew. And, and my experience has been, has been that companies are slow to do that. They continue to think we either need to hire someone or just work a little bit harder and we'll figure it out. But why not just call the people who can solve this for us much more quickly? Yeah, who actually might know. Yeah. Yeah, personally, just with my business and helping companies get better at innovating as well, The I've gotten much more quick to just, I don't really want to learn how to do the thing that needs to get done. I just want to pay someone to get that done and someone who's an expert that knows how and take care of it. And there are services that, that do this find a guru thing too, mm-hmm. right? The, the LinkedIn is a great suggestion to just go somewhere, but there's places where you can find experts on things and they'll just talk to you for an hourly fee. Yeah, so. that's exactly right. Oh. Okay. Give them go, a call. Go find a guru. Yeah. And then the, the last one I'll talk about, my keynote is what I call persevere with passion. Mm. So it's interesting because I think in entrepreneurship, you definitely think about passion. You, you think about any major entrepreneur you can think of, the Richard Branson's of the world, are highly passionate people. But that word seems to come up less in corporate America. So mm-hmm. you don't think 
boy, we need to staff this project with passionate people. We tend to think we need to find competent people, right? Someone who knows how to mold metal or access the supply chain. So we're looking for competency, but not passion. And what I've seen over 20 years is you can pack a room with competent people and it can grind to a halt very quickly because innovation's hard. So I, my, my, concept, the the thing I'm throwing out into the world, is I think even in corporate America, it's important to look for competency and passion. So many times in innovation, we talk about sprints. There's a lot of sprints. We'll do a strategy sprint or an innovation sprint. And I've come to believe sprints are important, but the marathon is more important, right? We've got to be very good at that. So one of the things you mentioned in the intro was ultra marathoners. So they've done research and they've found a correlation between ultra marathoners and incredible scientists. So these scientists who take on these deep long-term projects um, oftentimes are are also runners. And they, they seem to share this common trait that they're willing to push that psychological payday off into the future and enjoy the 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 challenge of doing it. So a great example of this, I think, goes all the way back to my own childhood, which is the creation of Star Wars. So George Lucas had one great movie. He decided he was going to write this new movie about the crazy science fiction characters. And if you look at what it took to create that movie, not only did he have to write it and go get funding and get hired as the director of this movie, but along the way, he created two companies. He created Industrial Light Magic, and he created what became Pixar. So this is a marathon runner, right? Not only is he a great creative, but every time when he came up to a barrier, he built entire technologies mm-hmm. and companies to go after it. So so I think that's why passion is so interesting, because I think there's times when we'll run into something, and it's possible that's the point where the COO or the CFO says, you know what, we're, we're going to pull funding. It's too hard. And a team of passionate people can say, you know what, we, we can push through this. Right. We're going to have to build a, a small company to do it, but, we can make but it it's important. Still. Yeah. So I, I want to double yeah. down on passion just a little bit. Yeah. And talk about sources of passion. Right. So as a product person, a few sources come to mind e- easily. Um, I'm probably originally as an engineer, my source of passion was more just solving the problem. Like we're going to create something cool. Right. And that, that's it. Then it's, became more oriented towards the customer. Let's really understand the customer's problem. And I want to create value for that customer, right? Mm-hmm. Another source of passion. Some product managers I talk to, they really love the ability to influence the organization that they work for, right? They're seeing the big picture. They, they like being able to steer that ship a little bit and have a bigger role in, in what the organization is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, no doubt there are other sources of passion too. Maybe it's your career ladder, career growth, whatever cases. I think it's useful to, if you're doing a marathon, to be in touch with what your source of passion actually is. Mm-hmm. It seems like if you're, when you hit the wall in that, in the marathon that people talk about, I've never done that because I'm not a marathon runner, right? But to have the tenacity to just get through it, tapping into what you're really, what is really driving you seems to be important to me. Yeah, I think you're right. So, so in, in doing the research on this, we read a bunch about marathon runners and they all are driven by some passion. Hmm. So it could be I'm raising funds to fight this disease that someone in my family has, or I just really want to push myself, or I want to prove to my parents that I can achieve something that they didn't think I could. Mm-hmm. 
So there's usually some driving force behind it or, or just beating what I did, did last year. And so I think that bubbles over into our work lives. You can see people who just really love the idea of creating something and kind of putting a dent in the universe, if you will. Mm-hmm. Or they're really passionate about, it could be just growing revenue. And the way they want to do it is by creating something. But the, the place you see it is not just in that first kickoff, but it's every time they're in the meeting, they're like, come on, guys, we can get through this. And so so if I was within a corporate innovation or marketing or strategy department, I'd probably hire as much for passion as I would for competency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when I was leading software teams, I, I recognized not being a student about teams at all as an engineer, just trying to get, get the work done, that when I had the person who I, I characterized as the cheerleader, the cheerleader on the team, team worked better. Mm-hmm. And from that point forward, I'm like, we need a cheerleader. Who's the person that's always going to be encouraging everyone else that kind of says, hey, we can get this done, push this forward. And it is that person that kind of just shares their passion, whatever that source is, with everyone else that kind of keeps you motivated. It's, okay, that we, we can do this. So so would you have looked for that during hiring? Would you, when you're building the team, would you make sure? After I recognized that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I didn't recognize it until I just stumbled across, oh, the team works better when there's a cheerleader person on the team. Yeah. So that makes sense. And, and, and it's a, a passion driver, right? Right. So. And what's interesting is it doesn't have to be the leader of the team necessarily. Yeah. So it, it doesn't have to be like the basketball coach. It could not, be. Frankly. Right, that it's it's uh, someone else who is the leader should be sharing the vision, talking about why this is important. Hopefully, ha- having some passion too, right? But I think it's better when it kind of is coming from a team member, helping to push everyone and why we should be doing this. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Love that. And, and in sports, yeah, sometimes you see these strong, charismatic coaches, but then you can have very chill coaches, and there's one of the players who plays that role. So mm-hmm. that makes. Makes yeah, sense. and it doesn't have to be the star player, right? There's right. The, the player who just helps the team. What, wasn't there the movie uh, Rudy uh, about the true Thanks. life story of the the walk on from Notre Dame? That's right. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. like that. So. Can, can drop that into the uh, one page notes. Go, go yeah, ab- absolutely. So <laughs> action item one: yeah. watch Rudy have a discussion <laughs> on it. Okay. Good information. So we got through five mindsets. Yep. Right? So once again, real quick, be, be the gap spotter, right? Kind of what that problem is. Multiply my magic. Keep Find ways to keep doing what worked before and leveraging that. The Justin story, innovate with action. So follow what is working and put things in action. And go get a guru to find someone who actually knows. And then the, you say persevere with passion? Persevere with passion. Persevere with yeah. passion. Okay. Yeah. Push through, but the way yep. you do it is driving that or dipping into that reservoir of passion. Okay. Very good. Excellent. We haven't actually done this session yet. So um, this is one we'll get to hear. I may have set this up in the introduction that you had, but it's still coming up. So I get to hear more details of this in the next day or two. As listeners know, we do like an innovation quote and I ask you to bring one for us. So what, what, what's the quote? So it comes from Jeff Bezos. He says, I knew that if I failed, I wouldn't regret that. But the one thing I knew I might regret is not trying. I chose that because I've met a good number of would-be entrepreneurs or even people within large companies who've said, I want to work in the innovation division, or hey, maybe I even want to peel off and go start something, and uh, they haven't. Mm -hmm. So so I would say if, if you're one of those people, if you're innovation curious, you're listening to this podcast, and you haven't taken this step, how, how would you feel in 10, 20, 30 years if you haven't? So, so we'll say on some level at, at age 
30, I left a consulting job and started my own company that I've now had for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm glad I did, but I probably was driven a little bit by, gosh, what if I don't do this? Right. So, yeah, it's a good test. And my wife and I have used it before making big decisions. This podcast got started after this huge road trip we took, hmm. right? And so we were, my wife and two kids, we got in the motor home, we drove across the US for one year and two weeks. So we were on the road for, for 54 weeks. I worked from the internet, we, sold, we rented the house out, made all that work. And we weren't sure if we would want to do that or not. What's it going to be like having the four of us in the 200 square feet of, of motorhome and doing this? And the kids were relatively young, but we both had a very strong sense we, we would regret not trying. And I think that's a really good test. Why am I hesitant about doing this? Is it the risk I see before me or is it, am I going to really regret not trying? Mm -hmm. is, where am I on that spectrum? And I, I like you stepped out and said, Hey, I'm going to have this consulting company and because I think I'm going to regret not doing it if I don't try it now. Yeah. Yeah. In my case, some of it was timing because I was about to get married and didn't have kids yet. So I thought, all right, if I'm going to fall on my face, this is a good time to do it. But if I was to do it now with kids and a house and all that stuff, I'd probably just dabble on the side just to see if there was something there. Right. Um, innovate with action, if you will. Yep. And so it was, why not take the first step? Go try. That's good. Okay. Thank you for sharing the quote with us. How can people find out about your group, about the work you're doing, resources you have? Yeah. So uh, our website is Phillips with two L's, phillips-co.com. So you can learn more about Phillips and company, case studies, things we do. And then if you want to look me up on LinkedIn, happy to answer any questions or what have you. Mm -hmm. I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Matt Phillips, but my handle on there is it's Matt Phillips. Is there a story? Yes. Well, some other Matt Phillips got there before me it's based so, on this story. So it's Matt. It's yeah. Just it's Matt Phillips. Okay. We'll have the link in the show notes. So it will be e easy to find. Okay. Fantastic. Matt, appreciate you sharing the mindsets with us. Hope you have a great session here. Enjoy the conference. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. And listeners, once again, if you want the written summary of everything we discussed and that one page action guide, which we'll certainly say to go watch Rudy as one of the steps, but there'll be other good takeaways in the action guide as well. Find those at productmasterynow.com slash 473. Everyone keep innovating. Thank you for listening to Product Mastery Now where product leaders and managers gain product mastery through practical knowledge, influence, and confidence. By listening, you are becoming a product master, creating products customers love. Find additional resources at productmasterynow.com. Keep innovating.